0: Hello and welcome back to the what do you think of that podcast today I am uh, back not by popular demand because I don't have that big of an audience but I am back again with Garrett Graf of Graphic Studios which means that there will not be as much kind of stuttery I don't know what to call it from the last episode so don't worry about that anymore guys uh, that won't happen um, but Garrett uh, feel free to introduce yourself
1: my name is garrett Graf. Uh, my youtube channel is graphic art studios and other than that there's not really much else to introduce so you can go ahead and begin the um podcast i guess
0: and please you guys as i was mentioning about the stuttery thing garrett graff choosing to be on here is a huge help so please go and check out his channel on youtube um I know that that might now be a few more clicks away than it used to be now that we are on a podcast and not on my channel, but please do go check him out. It means a lot to, I'm sure, the both of us. Um, But yeah, so today we are getting into the topic of The Dark Knight, which I should mention this is the second of a four-episode long series, the first of which is on Garrett's channel. So if you didn't have enough incentive from me just sending you there now, please go and watch the first episode. Um, They're not entirely connected, but, you know, if you want to see the full grasp of the trilogy, um, it's better you start with his video than with mine. But to get into it, um, we are of course talking, as I said, about The Dark Knight. Garrett, what are your thoughts on The Dark Knight, just generally? Uh, before we get into spoiler talk?
1: Um, geez, where do I start? Dark Knight is one of the best Batman films ever made, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, and it fits its world set up partially in Batman Begins already. Um, it fits that world very well, um, and adds to that world very well also
0: someone who has never seen the film were to come up to you and ask you what you thought of the film um, without spoiling, mm-hmm. spoiling it what would you tell them?
1: Uh, that is a really good question actually um, I would tell them that every actor delivers a stellar performance for the character that they are um, bringing to life and the film very much captures the essence it, it is trying to capture, and it portrays all the issues and characters that it chooses to portray in the best way it can. It is a very good example of knowing how to... How do I want to say this? It's, it's a good example of knowing how to use the characters and other parts of your writing that you have in the best way for the story you're trying to write and film, I guess. Um, that's probably how I would describe it to someone who did not want spoilers for it, but wanted to know more about the film. So,
0: Yeah. Well, and I think my initial thoughts is that I definitely, I've now seen this film, twice. I definitely enjoyed it my first viewing. Uh not to say that I didn't enjoy it my second viewing. It's just a great film overall. I would definitely suggest it to someone who hasn't seen it to at least yeah. see it once. It is a little bit longer of a film. Not quite mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's Justice League long, but <laughs> decently long for especially the time period in which it came out. I know longer films are kind of more common now. So, spoiler-free re- review, I think we can both suggest that it is definitely worth watching. With that said, Uh, Spoiler alert, going forward, we will be discussing spoilers, um, because that's what a spoiler alert is for. Um, (laughs) But I wanted to get into um, the plot. Uh, Generally speaking, I think if I were to break down the plot, we have Batman who's now been doing this... I don't know what the time space between Begins and this film is, but he's been doing it for longer. Mm. Um, Crime rates have gone dramatically down. People are becoming more inspired to stand up against the mob bosses of the city. Um, And, of course, that leads to, uh, you know, our white knight of the film, which is Harvey Dent, which is Mm -hmm. um, a good... Two sides of the same coin with Batman. Nice. A pun, hundred percent intended.
1: <laughs> um,
0: and so, you know, we see this, and then we see kind of our wild card player, uh, another totally intended pun of the Joker coming in mm-hmm. to kind of cause chaos, which is very much the key theme of this movie. I feel like Mm -hmm. Christopher Nolan does a very good job in his series of breaking down each film into a key theme. With Begins, it was fear. Everything revolved around fear and how fear is used as a weapon or how fear helps us grow as a character. In this film, it is very much chaos, which is Mm -hmm. very much the embodiment of the villain. Um, I think if there was ever a villain to embody chaos, it it is definitely Joker. So that's kind of a general plot <laughs> breakdown. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say your thoughts are on the plot, Garrett?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think you really um, I think you really hit the nail on the head there with like your description of chaos being like the main driving factor. Um, and I know like that ties into like the last episode of um, of the of this series uh, where we talked about the main the main question that Begins asks is why does Batman do what he does and um, I feel like with this one the main question that this movie asks is can Batman do what he does in the sense of like can he up like can he keep his moral code can he actually save the city? Like, is he able to actually do those things? Um, And I think it's interesting because you know, you'll people will always tell you, like, when writing or whatever, they'll tell you, like, you want your characters to drive the plot. Um, But I think I think it was I was thinking of this while you were talking about it just now. Um, and I think you kind of alluded to this, but, like, the Joker is very unique in this movie because he doesn't really drive the plot per se. Um, the Joker kind of is the plot of the movie, if that makes sense. Like,
0: That's an interesting he, way of putting it. Why don't you break that down a bit for our viewers who aren't yeah. following in?
1: Yeah, so, like, he, he pretty much in like instigates everything, right? Like he instigates the rising up of more um, mob rings um, and gangs and stuff. He instigates um, the creation of uh, Two Face or the transformation of Harvey Dent into Two Face. Um, he instigates moral dilemmas for Batman, like with the um, with the scent, with with the scene at the at the very end of the movie, the finale, where those two boats are, um, you know, have the bombs on them or whatever, I, uh, and uh, they have to decide whether they want to save themselves or. Um, by killing the other people, or uh, both die, basically. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it just it brings to mind, like, if the character of the Joker didn't exist in the movie The Dark Knight, there would be no plot. Because nothing would happen.
0: It would definitely um, be a fundamentally different movie.
1: Yes, yes, and Um, I guess probably the only real threat, only real threat, quote-unquote, that Batman would have to deal with would be the copycat, um, Batman, which I know you do want to touch on later, so I won't go in-depth about that yet, but, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like the Joker is, is more of the plot than he is a driving plot force, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think, okay, so you were talking briefly or maybe not briefly. I don't know what I'm talking about. But you were you were asking the question, can Batman do it? And I think a a portion of that is what does it cost? Which is a little bit more discussed later in the trilogy in in the last mm-hmm. film. But there's a there's an exchange between Alfred and Bruce. Um in I don't know, it's like the first half hour of the movie. It's after the first encounter with um uh, like the, our our first Batman fight scene that we see, yeah. Um, and Alfred is has stitched up uh, Batman, and he tells him to know his limits. And uh, mm-hmm. and Bruce responds with Batman has no limits. And then Alfred, you know, responds with Well, but you do. And and then Bruce is talking about mm-hmm. how if he does, he can't afford to know those limits. Um, and I think that that's yeah. something that is very well explored in this movie, for mm-hmm. something that ends up being like less than less than a one minute dialogue, um, mm-hmm. that's definitely a, a quote that I think really helps stick this movie together, and you know going going off of that, I think it it ties into what I believe the thematic question posed in this film is, which is what makes a true hero. Mm -hmm. Because, and this is transitioning a little bit out of the specifically Bruce Wayne realm, but we also see, uh, um, and I know we were talking about Joker too, but um, we see two sides of the same coin, as I said before. We see Batman Mm -hmm. slash Bruce Wayne, who is um, the Dark Knight, and then we see Harvey Dent as the White Knight Mm -hmm. in the film, and we see these two heroes where Batman is doing, you know, he's being a hero, but... His methods aren't, you know, legal, technically. Right. And then we see Harvey Dent, who is the first person in a long time to as as Bruce puts it, to bring hope to Gotham and to, you know, legally Mm. put away a bunch of criminals. Yeah. Um, And then later in the film we see we of course see Harvey take a turn for the worse as Two Face. Mm -hmm. And then Batman takes the blame for that and so yeah. we have these two heroes of the film. Um, and I th- I think both of them really just, uh, are examples of this question, what makes a true hero? So what are your thoughts on that, Garrett?
1: I like that you asked that. Because when I think what makes a true hero, there is a quote that comes to mind. It's a quote by Rich Mullins. And he said... I think that God is fed up with heroes. I think he sees, like, he looks down and he sees people trying too hard to be heroes, and then he goes off and says stuff like, if I were a Ford car, like, if I were an automobile made by Ford, I would not try to be anything other than an automobile. I would just simply try to be the best automobile I could be. And Mr. Henry Ford would not want me to be anything other than an automobile, because the only thing he created me to be was an automobile. And I think that Batman is very um, is very much a true hero because he doesn't try to be a hero. He He just tries to be the best person that he can be. And the way he goes about it is by becoming someone else if you will um, changing from Bruce Wayne to the Batman and like Rachel says in Batman begins his true mask is Bruce Wayne like he is Batman underneath his true mask is Bruce Wayne though like that's that's who he pretends to be but like the best person that he can be is Batman. So, if you were to ask me what I think makes a true hero, then I think heroism is overrated. I think if you are just simply doing what is right, it can improve the world. Um, whether or not you would define that as heroism is another topic. But I don't know if that made any sense.
0: Not entirely sure if I follow where where you're where you're getting to, but uh i appreciate the input i'm sure that there will be listeners out there who probably understand what you're trying to get at uh i wouldn't know because i don't know who my listeners are going to be or what my listeners are going to be like but i'm sure that there are people out there who agree with you transitioning a little bit like in all of my podcasts i want to get into some character breakdowns i start out with what i call uh the big three of film um Oh which are yeah, the three more main characters uh, that aren't the villain. Uh, it's mm-hmm. normally easier to define these in TV shows, which is what I've covered thus far. But yeah, um, in this one, I've broken it down to be Batman, uh, mm-hmm. Commissioner Gordon, and of course Harvey Dent. Um, yes, and then we will get into the character of the Joker, who is the main villain of this film. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll get into some more minor character breakdowns which isn't necessarily because they have a small role in the film uh Mm -hmm. but it's more just because i feel like they aren't the main focus of the film um and so yeah they just just get a slightly shorter segment where we'll do more of a quick fire through them um so starting off uh, obviously we should talk about batman because he is the main Mm -hmm. character of of the film um i know we've discussed him and his character and and uh, you know all that pretty decently so far. We've we've discussed you know his heroics and why he does it and can he do it and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I think that Batman's character in these films is handled pretty well. It's a little different from what might be common knowledge of Batman. I said this yeah. in your podcast, but um. I think it's just—it's different enough to be identifiably different portrayal of Batman, but it's similar enough to still be a accepted version of Batman that is mm-hmm. accepted into the Batman mythos. Um, and I think a lot of the change comes from the fact that this film is meant to be grounded a little bit more in reality,
1: but. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I don't have a I don't have a huge issue with it. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the character?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um Well like I was saying before, Christopher Nolan definitely knows how to um use characters and actors and the resources his resources available in the very best way they can be used for the story he's trying to tell. So for the story that Christopher Nolan is trying to tell with this trilogy, he needed to adapt just not only Batman himself, but the entire world of Batman. And I think they are welcome changes. I think they fit perfectly into the scheme of things that he was trying to communicate um, and we touched on the I touched on this a little bit in the uh, in the last episode as well like if you were to take the characters in this batman and put them in the 1966 batman or the Michael Keaton batman or even the DCEU right now it wouldn't work nearly as well because there are other things going on in those worlds right it's like taking cream and trying to mix it with water like the end product is not nearly as appetizing as either of those are in and of themselves you can't take one style of things and put it in a in a world that has a different style and expect them to mesh perfectly you can use that to your advantage um, so, like, I'm not saying that it that it is useless to do that. I'm just saying, for the story that Christopher Nolan was trying to tell, he couldn't use Jack Nicholson's Joker or Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face because they could not fit in the world that he had set up already.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that statement. I think your your analogy of cream and water was
1: kind of ridiculous. <laughs> a little
0: ridiculous. I probably would have gone with oil and water, but cream and water works too. Um So, you know, transitioning to Commissioner Gordon, um I think that Commissioner Gordon's character gets a lot more uh a lot more spotlight in this series, which I think is
1: mm-hmm.
0: is very good. Um, I think he deserves more.
1: Definitely, you know, yeah. Uh,
0: more uh, development to his character, or maybe not development, but you know, um, more care put into it, or mm-hmm. thought. That's the that's the more thought put into his character. That's the word that I'm looking for. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like that's his character's pretty well explored in this series. Um, yeah, he has a family, which he does in other media, but not as prevalent. Um, he actually he technically dies in this film albeit it mm-hmm. was it was fake but yeah um i think that his character is really well explored in this film i think that Gary Oldman's uh performance <laughs> of commissioner gordon is really good um, yeah so but what are your thoughts on his character
1: yeah um <clears throat> so gordon is um Gordon is unique in the entire like um like saga of Batman like even in the comics just because um he's really the only character to have that sort of like I I hate using this word because I think it's overused a lot, but moral guidance, to maintain that throughout his whole career in um, in the Batman publication history, um he cause he, like you were saying before like Harvey Dent is actually apprehending, uh well not apprehending himself, but he's sending criminals to jail legally, right? um Whereas Batman is doing it illegally. But Gordon also does it legally and Gordon does not have the um, Gordon does not have the unfortunate circumstance of turning into Two-Face. And he is unique as well because of the position that he's in. Um, Because pretty much everyone else in the Often, police force, with the exemption of very few others, um, is also just a part of the problem. Um, But it's unique that he's a commissioner while that's happening, because like that means he's in a place of authority, even though um, none of the others really change who they are, like because of his authority. He is still able to maintain that, um, like his own code, um, and he understands uh, that they need Batman's help sometimes um, because a lot of the stuff they're not they are limited by, for example, legality of certain situations.
0: So yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying about Commissioner Gordon. Um, I feel like we get this kind of an interesting triple dynamic between Gordon, mm-hmm. and Batman, and Dent. Because all of them yeah. are trying to do the right thing, and all of them have a slightly different view on how that should play out. So, mm-hmm. transitioning a little bit from that, um, Harvey Dent, uh, we get this interesting... It's almost like evaluating two characters, because he really is. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have, you know, the character Harvey Dent, the D.A., um, which we see prominently throughout most of the film, and then Two-Face later on in the film after after Rachel dies and his face is disfigured. Um, mm-hmm. But even before that, we see a kind of darker side to Harvey Dent. Um, yeah. That, that I feel like isn't as portrayed in other forms of media. Normally, mm-hmm. you know, the darker side comes out after the accident. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this one does a good job of setting it up beforehand. So it doesn't seem like a complete character swap. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but generally speaking, I think that two faces character is really well handled in this, in this film.
1: Uh, Definitely. Definitely.
0: But as, as with every other character that I've talked about thus far, what are your thoughts on his character or better yet to go with the podcast? Um, I probably should have asked this question earlier, but uh, what do you think of that in terms of Harvey Dent? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, well, again, I think you really nailed it um, with saying, like, he's handled very. The character's handled very well in this in this film, and um, we're not we're not. I know we're not in uh, in that segment yet, so I'll, I'll just keep it as short mention. But like, everyone talks about. Heath Ledger's performance, and it is fantastic. Um, but I don't think enough people discuss Aaron Eckhart's, uh, performance as Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. Um, I think it is very well done, because he definitely portrays a, a very desperate side to Harvey Dent, um, and that desperation only increases, like, upon the death of Rachel. Um, right? So... But even before then, you know, he's he's very desperate for what he sees as his mission, which is um, cleaning up the city, you know? Uh, and so he's very passionate about that, and um, very determined to make that happen. And his desperation for that goal only increases when um, Rachel is uh, murdered. I guess um, would be the context, and then we we get to see that full-on desperation come out in his character. Um, and you can kind of see, like, he never really he never really thought of criminals as people, which is, I think a unique distinction between him and Batman, because while Batman does stop crime um, in very violent ways, even in Batman Begins, you can see, you know, like, um, Ra's al Ghul, or Rachel al Ghul, um, tries to get him to kill that guy, you know, as his final test for the League of Shadows, and he stops, you know, and he's like, no, like, there's why, right, like, why does he need to be killed? Um, whereas this is only, a, this is only emphasized afterward, after his turn into Two-Face, but um, Harvey Dent has a similar thing going on, but he chooses the more harsh route, um, like that scene in the car, where he says, you know, heads you live, tails you die. Um, so he flips the coin, and it uh, lands on heads, And uh, immediately he says, let's flip it again.
0: All right, so I am editing this and listening, and I think that Garrett actually was wrong about what scene this is. I think when he says that, that's actually in an earlier scene. When he's in the car, he flips it, and then the guy lives, and then he flips it again, but he does it for the driver, and he says the driver's not so lucky and kills the driver, which then, of course, kills the
1: other guy. It's almost like he... In contrast with Batman, yes, he cares about justice, but there isn't that other side of him that also understands, like, look, if I kill this person, I'm no better than them, right?
0: Right. Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I think that it. A lot of the character of Harvey Dent that we see, particularly later in the film, is very much driven by our main villain in the film, which is the Joker, Um, which, as you were saying, Heath Ledger, is one, not only an iconic Joker, but he does an amazing job as him. And Mm -hmm. probably of all the characters, outside of maybe some costume changes and some Minor mannerisms. I feel like actually, Joker mm. is one of the few characters who isn't changed a whole lot in this series, and maybe yeah. that's just me. Um, but I don't know. Mm. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Definitely, Heath Ledger definitely has a very unique, uh, unique take on the Joker, and like, although, like you were saying, the Joker is changed less, but um. Yeah, Heath Ledger, uh, his performance as the Joker is um, definitely unique and he really embodies the character in a deep, deep sense. And he, rather than being a physical enemy or even mental enemy for Batman, um, like we see with the other two films in the series, Joker is more of an enemy that makes you an enemy of yourself. Like, he takes... He turns Harvey Dent into his own enemy, basically. He tries to do that with Bruce as well. He doesn't succeed with Bruce, but it brings up the question in Bruce, and you can see this throughout the film, he starts also questioning, am I able to maintain this persona of a vigilante while still, like, not actually... While still keeping my moral code of not killing anyone, no matter no matter what happens, right? Like you can see throughout the film that because of the Joker's actions, Bruce really has to question that about himself. So um, that's that's an interesting. He's an interesting villain in that sense.
0: Yes, I would agree with what you are saying about Joker. I think that he does use, you know, people against themselves, and that's. Mm-hmm. I mean. He even says it. He he like he's scamming um, mob bosses and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. uh, very Joker if you know what I mean. Transitioning. Alfred, what did you think of the character of Alfred? Because personally, in this series, I really liked Alfred. I think that he's like the perfect uh, duo to Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. He's humorous in all the right ways. Like, I feel like it's very just true to
1: Alfred. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think in a, in a lot of senses, Alfred is... I don't want to say this. I think in a lot of instances, the character of Batman is, in, at least in this series, is part Alfred and part Bruce Wayne, if that makes sense. Like, Alfred is responsible for so much of Bruce's upbringing and um, morals and choices and advice and he really brings that sort of like guiding light to Bruce so that he so that Bruce remembers to um, Bruce remembers how to go about being Batman Um, so I feel like Alfred is responsible for a lot more Batman than what, they, uh, what people give him credit for, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, next character would be mm-hmm. Lucius Fox, who... Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I definitely really like this version of Lucius Fox. I think Morgan Freeman does an excellent job with him. But what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, Morgan Freeman does an excellent job no matter what role he's playing. <laughs> but, Fair um, point. Um, Yeah, I. Um, it's an interesting take on Lucius Fox as well because he he does know um, that Bruce Wayne is Batman in this film, uh, or at least that's alluded to. I don't know. I don't know if they ever explicitly say that. But um, he understands why Batman exists and why Bruce does it. Um, And he does his part to to help him in that. And I particularly like the scene where he keeps that guy from finding out that Bruce Wayne is Batman.
0: Not exactly, but he keeps him from blackmailing him.
1: Yes, yeah. I feel like to some degree he's very protective of Bruce Wayne as well. And I I think that is in large part due to uh, Lucius's relationship with Thomas Wayne. Like they were they were very close, and Lucius also even before Batman came to the picture in Batman Begins, was actively trying to make the world a better place, like, through his developments and inventions with Wayne Enterprises. So, I think that's very, very much unique aspect of Lucius Fox. Like, even without Batman, he strives for improving the world, so.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, the last couple, I guess I should say, that I wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about was the copycat Batman, because um... I feel like even though they aren't a huge role, like, they aren't a huge part of this, it's still an interesting, you know, character, I guess, to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, you see a, if Harvey Dent is one form of person that's been inspired by Batman, uh, the copycat Batmans are a, another side of that coin. Mm-hmm. So now we have a we have a three sided coin, which doesn't make sense. Yeah. I guess they're like the little ridges along the edge.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so it's interesting that they address like the copycat Batman in the movie because they also bring to the table what Batman would be like would be more like if he didn't have the resources that he had, right? Um if he didn't have the like Lucius Fox inventions, uh, which we just touched on, and then also, if he didn't have Alfred's guidance, which we also touched on,
0: or the training,
1: uh, yes, yeah, and I feel like the thing that Batman is a symbol, right? And like they make a they make a point of that in Batman Begins, um, and somewhat this this movie as well, um, but. Um, if there's a symbol and you try to draw the symbol, even with the drawing, it's not complete because the point of a symbol is that it stands for something, right? If you just do the symbol again, like, draw the symbol again, it's not gonna stand for anything unless there's a purpose behind it, right? Um, Which is the thing, that's the thing with Batman, there's a purpose behind why Bruce Wayne does what he does, whereas with these people, there's it's more of just they wanted to do it right like they were inspired by Batman so they just they just drew the same symbol but there was no purpose behind it so it never actually succeeded
0: yeah yeah I'd say it's a pretty good it's a pretty good I don't know if I could have said it better myself
1: <laughs> I probably didn't say it that well but um...
0: that tells you something about the quality of my podcast <laughs> Transitioning to something in the podcast that might be a little bit more of interest to people who are listening who aren't exactly, you know, huge fans of this particular film or or maybe they are, but they're tired of hearing us babble. Um, <laughs> I had to think of a kind of different way to do this because uh, one, as a film, it has less fight scenes in general. And yeah. Two, as an audio only format. Um, options are limited as to how to portray this. So so I'm going to ask you two questions here. One, what would okay. be your favorite scene in the movie? Yeah. And two, what would be your favorite takedown from the movie? This could be Ooh. anywhere from just Batman stopping the common thug to Batman taking down the Joker at the end of the film.
1: That is... That's that's a good question. Um, <sighs> Favorite scene... Honestly, my favorite scene would probably be the interrogation between Batman and the Joker. Um, I think from the moment it starts, like, from the moment that the lights in the back turn on and you realize Batman was standing behind him the entire time, (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and he starts questioning him, you really get to see how well the Joker can manipulate people. And also, how, how much of an opposing force the Joker is to Bruce Wayne. Because, like we were talking about before, the Joker doesn't really have a purpose behind why he does what he does. He just causes chaos just for the sake of chaos. So but people
0: just want to see the world
1: burn. Exactly, exactly. So there's no real purpose to what he does. But, like we were also saying earlier, Atman. Has to have a purpose behind what he does, um, and so you see those two opposing like I- ideas, as well as how they go about what they do. Um, it's just a really good example of you know the analysis between the two individuals and characters. And then favorite takedown that is a that's a tough question. I'm gonna say takedown as in like not down for the count. I'm gonna say takedown is in just the removal, I guess, would be the best way I can put it right now. Um, but this whole scene where, um, you know, they're giving that, that speech and then they fake Gordon's death and, uh, do that little, like, switcheroo, and then reveal, oh, he wasn't actually dead. um, it's just really cool to see, like, at the end, like, oh, like how they actually pulled that off. Um, so, and then you get to see actually that Joker even accounted for that. So, um, yeah, it's just like a cool. It's almost like a heist movie, you know. It's like, oh, we we did a con on you, and then they're like, nope, we did a con on you, and then right back, no, nope, we did a con on you again. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Well, those are those are great. I think I differ on. a little bit for both Um, Mm -hmm. I think my favorite scene is hmm I didn't think as much about this one but I think if I had to choose one scene it would maybe be the very first scene with the Joker where we see his bank heist because I feel like Mm -hmm. it gives a good insight to the character and it's a good like strong introduction of like oh like this isn't quite the Joker that we're used to seeing but it's also, mm. like, very much the Joker, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I think that it gives you a good insight to just the, the character of the Joker, of that he's playing this whole pirate scamble of, like, oh, well, yeah, once he does his job, you shoot him, and then we can have a bigger share. And then at the end of it, you know, Joker ends up with all the shares because everybody's dead. Um, yeah. Okay, so... After having some time to think about it, this is recorded in post while I'm editing. While I do stand by what I said, I like that scene a lot. I think if I was to pick a favorite scene, and this one's sizably shorter, it would be after the Joker has said, oh, uh, the first person to... Like you had to kill the guy who knew who Batman was, or he's gonna blow up a hospital. Um, and there's a car coming to ram the police vehicle and Batman pulls his Lamborghini or I guess it's Bruce might not Batman but he pulls his Lamborghini up and at the end, uh, Gordon tells him that was a brave thing you did and he said, oh, what? going up to catch the light? or something like that it's just funny and goofy and just the kind of humor that I love so if I had to pick a favorite scene that'd probably be it I do really like the first Joker scene and I stand by what I said about it that's just a little change that I've thought of in between recording and editing. So as far as favorite takedown, um, that, that scene where Batman has to go to China to get that one CEO guy, he just kind of drops in oh. drops out. Yeah. Is probably my favorite takedown scene. That scene's pretty cool in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe not the best takedown of the film, but that's my personal opinion. Anyways, yeah, um, definitely. Closing thoughts on The Dark Knight. Do you have any uh, last comments or thoughts on what the film was like, in your opinion?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, just in general, a great follow-up to um, Batman Begins, and <clears throat> uh sets up a really good finale, uh, where... It's almost like they set it up so that all hope for Gotham is lost. Like, Batman is basically a fugitive, um, Harvey Dent is dead, and Gordon really is the only, like, is the last hope left in Gotham. So, yeah, it's just an interesting, um, interesting way that they they do it. Um, and... You know, I'll, I'm really excited to get into uh, Dark Knight Rises with you and explore more of more of that with how Dark Knight ends, and then it like has Dark Knight Rises has to pick up from that um, situation.
0: For anybody who's made it this far into the podcast and is interested in that episode, we will be splitting it into two parts. The first part will go up on Garrett's channel, uh, and the last one will be here, um, either next week or the following. Week. Mm-hmm Uh, because that's
1: how big studios make money they split up the finale
0: no but in all honesty guys Uh, thank you for thank you for joining uh thank you garrett for coming on Uh, thank you for inviting me this has been what do you think of that the podcast where we ask the question what do you think of that to various movies and tv shows and give our opinions so hope you guys enjoyed and tune in next week for another episode on something